Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Trevor Prentice. Trevor has nearly a decade of experience managing and advising on intellectual property, patents, copyrights, trademarks, trade secrets, and commercial agreements. And he is the founder and lead technical property strategist with IP Link. Trevor has a BSc in physics and master's in aerospace engineering and a certificate of innovation and entrepreneurship from the Michael G. Foster School of Business at the University of Washington. Trevor is refreshingly not a lawyer, and as such, he will help you understand and optimize your intellectual property protection strategy from a business perspective. And now let's listen in to Trevor's interview with Ali Kanal. Take it away, Trevor. So today on the Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas podcast, I have the pleasure of interviewing Ali Knoll. Uh, a little bit about Ali before we get started. So Ali's passion for talent management has spanned her 18-year career. Although her career started with nationwide companies, Ali's recent focus is helping small business owners master their talent management. She has experience in all things human resources related for companies from 1 to 80,000 employees. Uh, Allie's a Chartered Professional in Human Resources candidate with CPHR Alberta and a Registered Professional Recruiter with the Institute of Professional Management. She's a Top Recruiter in Canada 2019 Award winner, placing 10th overall and currently sits on the NPO Collective Board in Edmonton. Quite the, the accolades there, so I'm excited to chat with Allie. Uh, she's also currently president of River City Recruiting and HR. And about a year ago, she founded a tech startup called Resume Free, which we will uh, likely get into in a bit more depth shortly. So you can learn more about Resume Free at goresumefree.com. And you can find more info about Allie uh, by looking her up on LinkedIn at, under her name, obviously, Allie Knoll. So Allie, welcome to the Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me here. Great. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. Um, so we like to start these podcasts out by just getting a bit of a sense of, uh, of you know, where you started with your career and, uh, and then eventually how you got started in entrepreneurship. So um, just, you know, looking at your LinkedIn profile before we started the call here, I was noticing you have a very extensive and, you know, as, as your bio mentioned, you have a very extensive career in HR and recruiting. So uh, how did you first get into that? How did you get started with that? Accidentally. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so as everybody has their big dreams of going to school for one career, um, I am part of that group of people that switched into another. So I actually was working in a restaurant uh, while I was going to school for a bachelor of science, believe it or not. Um, so I loved the science method and everything like that. But at the time, there was an opportunity to become a trainer. And I thought, you know, this might be an opportunity for me. And so fell in love with training and development. And then that kind of parlayed into recruitment because I started managing very early and started recruiting people very early in my career, um, which is why I can say I've got 18, now 19 years of experience in it because it was something that I fell into and felt passionate about. So I, I figured my connections with people were much stronger than my scientific brain at the time. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I see. Interesting. And from, you know, from what I know about you, you do seem to make uh, amazingly, you do amazingly well at making great connections with people. So that's, uh, I, I can see that, you know, interest in HR and recruiting. Yeah. So originally my plan was to become a forensic toxicologist, which would have put me in a lab with two other people for 40 hours a week for 40 years of my life. And I thought, you know, <laughs> not quite feeling it. And so when the opportunity arose, I thought you know, these opportunities don't necessarily come around all that often. I'm going to take a stab at it. And I enjoyed a career with that particular company for, I believe it was about eight years and got to do some things that they they didn't have any other previous roles for. So it was a lot of forging my own way, creating a lot of training plans, doing recruitment process across Western Canada. And so they really did take a take a chance on me in that type of role, but um, I, I feel I did really well. <laughs> Obviously that, that worked <laughs> out for them and for me. And uh, yeah, so it was just taking that experience and, and going into different industries. So I've been in restaurant hospitality, I've been in finance, I've been in heavy industrial engineering, procurement, construction management, uh, and environmental services. So each of those industries that I've been in, I've actually found my way back into recruitment, even if I didn't start in that recruitment role to begin with. So I think it's truly um, aligning myself with my passion and making sure that I share that with other people and get paid for it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, no, makes sense. Yeah, though, that is interesting that you kept um, coming back to the recruitment angle, even in, in some of those other industries. So then I'm assuming at some point, you know, looking again, looking at your bio and having chatted with you many times, um, at some point you started heading in your own, uh, in the entrepreneurial direction in terms of starting your own company. So what, what led you towards that and what inspired you to get started uh, with creating your own business? Well, funny story, as they all are. Um, I am surrounded by entrepreneurs. Uh, so my mother is an entrepreneur. My father is an entrepreneur. Uh, my sister-in-law, my brother, they have their own company. My brother-in-law is a very successful entrepreneur. So I was one of the very few, you know, stuck in corporate type of people. And um, at the time I was working at a company that, um, this would have been back in 2015, 2016. And so that company was impacted in their industry. And unfortunately, I happened to be pregnant at the time with my second child. And so I was laid off. And at that point, I thought, you know, <laughs> nobody else is really going to be supporting me unless I do this myself. And I started asking around my sphere of influence. And I said, if I was to give you some tips and tricks on recruitment and, you know, support you in hiring your staff, would you hire me as a consultant? And everybody said yes. And so, you know, talking it over with my family situation, uh, my spouse and I decided maybe we should explore this entrepreneurial opportunity because then it would give me time to, you know, quote, be at home more often because I'd only be working 20 hours a week. Well, that's a gigantic lie. So anybody that thinks they're going to work part time if they're good at their job, full on lie. Um, so it started as something that was just myself, one off, working with companies. And we now have a team at River City with, uh, we're close to eight people with the two others that kind of float in and out. Um, and it's an amazing team of people that I do not think I could have put together had I not had the opportunities and the connections to have them. So it, it grew beyond me, 
<laughs> whether I liked it or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, that's, that's pretty crazy. And, and I mean, I guess these entrepreneur entrepreneurial journeys always start in somewhat unexpected ways. Yeah. Um, but I can't imagine what it was like, you know, being just about to have a, <laughs> have your child and then, uh, being laid off and then deciding to move into uh, starting your own business. Um, was that, I mean, was that particularly difficult or how did you make, make things work in that in the first, especially having a newborn yeah. in the first few years or so? <laughs> so at the time, my, my kids are 19 months apart and I don't think a lot of people know that. <laughs> um, so I basically went back to work just to, to gain a few more employment insurance hours before I left again. And I think for me, it was understanding that um, I have something to give back, whether or not that is something that I do under somebody else's banner and their corporate role, or it's something I do on my own. And in the early stages, I was actually able to partner with another recruitment firm and kind of subcontract to them. And so they, they did initially help me get my legs underneath me. Um, but then I just, I, I had so much work going for me. And so at that time, um, so my daughter was about seven months old when I first incorporated. And I thought, I'll just do this part-time, just part-time. It's only going to be part-time. And then the phone starts ringing and the emails start coming in. And so I have pictures of my daughter sitting in my office at home while I'm trying to do work. And she was just barely starting to move. And then I thought, okay, we need to really reassess this. And and so just by starting out and saying, like, I, I want to do something that challenges me, but also something that I know is going to add value. And I think leaving the corporate environment and going into entrepreneurship, I think that's really where I started to feel my true value um, because I wasn't constricted by what was already established and, you know, the protocols and the politics and things like that. And so by going and helping out other business owners and, and giving them advice on that, I, I truly flipped the switch in my brain and said, it's my advice to give them. It's up to them to take it. As long as I give them the risks and rewards and things like that, that's I'm doing my job. So it was uh, kind of interesting because I think my husband also had the um, the information that kind of pushed me over the edge too. And he said, you know, you're challenged with a lot of the managers you work with. Why is that? And I said, well, because I can see that they're not taking in all the information before they make a decision. He's like, well, why don't you just be your own manager? I thought, huh. <laughs> there it is. So great. Yeah, no, that's in, and I think the, you know, the image of uh, working as an entrepreneur with your daughter on your lap and you're on the phone is a very, it's a, probably a very relevant image to a lot more people these days, given the, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. And um, so that's part of the reason why, you know, I wanted to ask a little bit more about, about how you made that work. And also it's, you know, something that I, I also have kids, so it's something that I'm uh, working through all the time as well as, as an entrepreneur running running my business. So maybe it's a bit selfish, but, you know, that's why I was asking those, those questions. For sure. And I was just going to say, and that's part of the thing, too, is that when you are a, a parent and an entrepreneur, you have to make decisions on what's important. And for me, I I started by saying to everybody that the hours between four and eight are mine with my family. And whether that's 4 to 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. or 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., 
that's time with my family. I will do anything after that. But um, just setting those boundaries early on, I had clients respect that. And they will, you know, call me after 8pm, or they'll make sure to email after 8am, that kind of thing. So I think it was really important to set those boundaries early on, so that I didn't have it slide later on. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great advice. So tell us a bit more about what you're spending most of your time on these days. I am full throttle with uh, Go Resume Free right now. So Resume Free Incorporated is the tech company that is going to revolutionize recruitment uh, by giving top candidates screened for employers without using a resume. And we have been fortunate enough to start this company into a massive growth scale. Um, we were accepted into the Propel cohort with Startup Edmonton, um, one of 10 companies there that really were, and we're just finishing up this week. Um, June 11th is our showcase. We basically went through a 12 week boot camp on how to do sales and how to do branding and how to do um, marketing and how to lead your team and how to be the you know, take care of yourself while running a company and things like that. It was just incredible the amount of mentorship and advisement that we got through that program, present company included. Um, so thank you for your opportunity to be there. But it was just, I, I don't think I could put a dollar value on the total return on investment that we would have gotten, or we, we still don't know what we'll, we would have gotten from the Propel cohort. So it's been just phenomenal, such a phenomenal experience. At the same time, we are taking our MVP and launching it into phase one, uh, which means that we're taking the present model that we have and putting it into an actual SQL or SQL database and on the Azure platform so that we can have everybody just under one website, log in their information, and then we can make the matches that way. So it's it's been amplifying our technology it's been amplifying our message out to people it's gaining traction in the marketplace and uh, hopefully we will we'll see some really good results after the showcase and the launch later on this week yeah that's exciting man it's and and i, I do want to talk a bit more about community uh, supports in in a few minutes but i guess before we get there um what what inspired you to jump from River City, where you're, I guess it sounded like doing a bit more consulting and, and advising, uh, to this new idea of resume free? So it's always a pain point. <laughs> um, you know, solve it, yeah, the resume, solving the world's problems. And, and that's where true entrepreneurship comes from, right? And with this um, opportunity, when, when I started River City, I wanted to go to market to see how I could add value to my clients because you know, doing recruitment for X amount of years, I've had true gut feelings about who would be a great person and who would not be a great person, but it was all subjective. So I wanted to add some value because of my science brain saying, show me the data. And I went to market to see what I could find from an assessment person, a personality assessment. And I found that a lot of them were junk science. <laughs> um, and so I thought, okay, well, this is useless and, and futile. I'm not going to find anything that works. And I actually did find a product that we instituted at River City and we found some amazing results with. And so it was uh, an online assessment that didn't actually give people labels. It didn't say, you know, you become this box or this color or this, you know, letter combination. 
um, it was basically saying, here's where these people rank with their top traits. And I thought, this is a really incredible tool and it's adding so much value to my clients for a very, you know, least intimidating method for people to do. And so I thought, well, is there a better way to bring this to the masses than just the way it is? And so working through a partnership with the, the people that licensed me, licensed me the tool, I've got my team and myself certified to use it. And we're the top sales team in Canada for it. Um, so if you ever need any assessments, please contact us. <laughs> um, but with that, we, I saw the vision of saying, okay, resumes suck. They're absolutely fabricated. If not fabricated, they are definitely embellished. There's surveys that have said that, you know, applicants have been found 85% of the time to be caught in a lie on their resume. And so if we're lying on our resumes and we have to lie on the resume to get past the gatekeepers, such as the keyword searches or the applicant tracking system, how are we adding value to recruitment? We're actually detracting from that process. And so knowing that this assessment had an objective type of results, we can show percentages of likelihood to fit with a role based on the characteristics that we were looking for. I actually was able to science, uh, provide the scientific method for a very subjective process. And I thought, if I can do this with one company, why not all companies? And then it kind of flipped into, well, this isn't just, this isn't under River City. This is something that is completely separate. It, it could be a database where we get applicants to come in and we get employers. And so we're making the matches for them, kind of like an e-harmony for <laughs> recruitment and, and finding fit, which is that kind of elusive uh, statement that everybody's looking for these days. It doesn't matter what size your organization, how do we know you fit with our our company? How do you fit with our culture, our team? And this tool does it. And then I thought if we're asking information about, you know, what's important to them and how important is it, why not ask them the other hard questions that nobody wants to answer up front? Like, how many hours do you want to work? What's your salary expectation? Tell us what you're looking for up front so we can match on that and then go from there. And so starting out with like, Excel spreadsheets <laughs> and posting on, on job boards and getting information, we've actually grown our database of candidates to almost 13,000 since October, which is incredible because our job postings are only specifically in Edmonton presently. And yeah, and so the other thing too is that I wanted to make sure that the candidates, as they were applying, they would get some information as well. So they actually get a report on their top traits that if they're not a successful top match with our system, they can actually take that and say, hey, you know, I'm really good at looking for win-win solutions. I can take this to an interview and say here. And so it's not only providing data to the candidates, but it's providing data to the employers, much needed data, I should say. It just evolved from there, taking it to the next level and working with some companies locally to Edmonton to build out our software because, funny story, I'm not a software developer and <laughs> I have limited coding experience, so it wasn't in my forte to do it myself. Cool. Great. Well, yeah, thanks for giving a, a lot more detail about the resume-free um, business that you're working on and, and uh, I'm sure many people will want to take a closer look at that and and I know I'll I'll definitely want to keep uh, an eye on how things progress for you. 
Um, you also mentioned that specifically with the Startup Edmonton Propel program that you had gotten a ton of great support uh, through that community. Uh, and I know, <laughs> I know almost, it seems like uh, quite often when I'm attending events in the local community here, entrepreneurial community, I see your face quite often, which is great to see a, a face I recognize. And uh, so, yeah, so I wanted to ask a bit more about, you know, in addition to Propel and Startup Edmonton, what other communities are you involved with that are somewhat entrepreneurially focused in Edmonton or beyond? Great question. And so I'm, I'm going to take it back a little bit to what I call my million dollar email. Um, so starting this journey, I, you know, quick Google search in Edmonton, because as a management consulting firm, you know, the work you do is the work that you get paid for. And going into the tech space was something completely foreign to me. And so I reached out to Tech Edmonton just to say like, hey, what do I need to do? Where do I need to go? What's important here? And I ended up getting an email from Kathleen Norman, who is no longer there, but she's a fantastic individual. Um, and it, it basically listed all of these people that I needed to get connected with and areas that I needed to get involved with. And so I systematically went down that list and started to integrate myself into the areas. And, and one of those areas was uh, Rainforest. Uh, Rainforest Alberta, YEG. And, you know, back in the day when we could meet for lunch over lunches, <laughs> it was just a phenomenal experience to go and meet other entrepreneurs that were solving the world's problems, whether it be through tech or through just services or, you know, coming to say, hey, I can help you. It was just a really awesome atmosphere to be a part of. And one of the big things is that you always met somebody new. So there was no expectation for people to show up. There wasn't like a monthly membership fee. Um, it's solely a volunteer organization, but there's some amazing human beings that are running it. And they've got some very valuable expertise in, in the ecosystem. And so from that first kind of group meeting with Rainforest, it kind of spidered out to well, there's this startup TNT thing happening at this local brewery that isn't quite open yet, but we're going to open soon. And I thought, hey, I love craft beer. <laughs> so let me take a look at this. And so going to startup TNT and, and meeting some people from there, I I don't know that I could have put a value on, on either one of those connections right now because it's just been so fruitful. And um, even with Startup TNT, I was able to meet somebody that we did a partnership for, a training program with River City. And so that's an added value that has no limit just yet. But it's it's really starting to 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 take the chance. And even though I'm a very outgoing individual, I still get nervous going to networking meetings. And I think that's the one thing that people need to understand is that if you are attending a virtual event or an in-person event, everybody's feeling nervous. So I totally feel you when you say it's nice to see another face because at least that face can introduce you to other people, right? And then it lowers that anxiety, so to speak. But yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Well, it's, not, it's nice to hear that... Uh that even you feel nervous from time to time because i'm sure a lot i'm sure a lot of uh, a lot of people uh, you know look, look towards Allie and say wow you know she's so great at networking and the socialization <laughs> so that's uh, yeah it's probably good to hear that side as well that people like me and others who are a, a little less good at it let's say are are um, not the only ones feeling nervous about some of that stuff 
Yeah. And, you know, as the resident redhead that's six feet tall in, you know, female in the ecosystem, if you're ever out at an event, once we get past all of this social distancing and you see me, I'd be happy to introduce you to people that I think you'd be well suited to be connected with. That's if I found my purpose in life, it's connecting. I need to connect people with other people, <laughs> whether it be jobs, opportunities, just whatever it is. That's my purpose. <laughs> Great. No, that's awesome. And I think like, like you said, you, you, it sounded like it's hard to even put a, put a, a number on or an amount of, of uh, the benefit you've gotten from going to some of these community events. But I think the, the community organizations like Rainforest and, and Startup TNT have um, gotten a lot of benefit from having you attend as well, just as a connector. So that's, that's great. It's a definitely a mutually beneficial uh, situation. So yeah, that's, and of course this podcast, um, you know, we'd like to try and encourage more people to attend these types of events and get out sure. into their communities and learn whatever they can learn and, and also return back to the community. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, thank you very much for sharing those stories. My pleasure. So I guess just to cl close up a little bit, a couple more questions. Uh, what, uh, what would you say are some of the most important things that entrepreneurs should be thinking about when they start getting closer towards uh, needing to hire? So it's, it's always the chicken egg scenario. And I hate to give the HR answer, but it depends. Um, so <laughs> when it comes to adding to your team, I think the first real thing would be what is something that needs to get done that you cannot or just don't have, don't have the time, cannot do yourself successfully or really don't want to do. Um, because if you think of it like running a business, you wear multiple hats. You know, there's the operations side, there's a the sales side, there's the customer service side. You know, you are the IT, HR and accounting person too. And so really what hat do you not want to wear? And then like that should always be the first question about what is something that you could easily offload because you just don't want to do it. And then the second question would be, is this something that you could outsource or is this something that you actually need to bring that expertise in-house? Um, because from a startup perspective, you're not going to be hiring into a 40-hour work week. And dare I say, I think that 40-hour work weeks might be done uh, at this point. <laughs> Thank you, COVID. Um, but what's happening is you're not going to have somebody, you're not going to fill somebody's schedule up 40 hours. And so it needs to be how many hours is it going to be? And if it's something that's less than 15, is it worthwhile to have a casual employee where you do have to do EI and CPP payments? Or is it worthwhile to have a contractor that might be a slightly higher percentage or a slightly higher dollar amount, but you're covering off those benefits, um, staff benefits and the wages as well. So it's, it's truly a numbers game when it comes to, to hiring. Um, and then the other thing too would be if you knew somebody in your circle, in your sphere of influence that could do that job for you. So a lot of people think that when they need to go hire, they need to go post on the job board and then go through all the resumes and things like that. And I say that should be probably your last step. <laughs> so what you need to do is, is ask around and say, hey, I'm looking for this type of role. Do you know somebody that'd be willing to work for this amount of money for this many hours? And you'd be surprised at how well your network would work for you. 
when it comes to that kind of stuff. And it's the cheapest way to do recruitment, quite honestly. So <laughs> even though I've got a recruitment company, I'm saying you could probably do it yourself. Um, and and the best way, because good people know good people, so your sphere of influence is going to be connected with other people um, that typically should be good. Now, if you've exhausted your sphere of influence, that's when you should probably look at grabbing outside of that kind of candidate pool and applying, you know, putting the job postings online so people can apply. But typically speaking, it's the, the job postings are only representative of 11% of the available jobs. 11. Yeah. So that's why I say work your network because you're going to find good people. Yeah, that's a quite a... Um... Well, in some ways, I guess, intimidating stat because the the standard process that probably most people have in their mind in terms of either hiring or looking for a job is, you know, you just find a, find the job posting, submit your resume, <laughs> which obviously is not something that you're working towards. But um, so that's interesting to hear that. Yeah, only only 11 percent of actual jobs are posted as a as a job posting. The rest are basically just through networks, networking. Through networks, yeah, and through we might have a job available, that kind of thing. Um, so to give you another piece of information, usually when River City is engaged with the company for recruitment purposes is because the, the owners, the hiring managers just don't have the time. And that's really where the added value for outsourcing comes in. So again, something like, um, you know, you can do managed IT services, you can do bookkeeping services, you can have accounting services. They're all outsourced. So again, does it make sense to have that corporate service in-house or could you maybe have an administrative assistant that can do it part-time? You know, virtual assistants are taking a very uh, strong pull in the market right now. So that's another option as well. It's just, it's knowing the options before you pull the, pull the pin on one particular route, for sure. Yeah, okay. Uh, the, other, the other thing you mentioned um, briefly, which I just want to ask a quick follow-up question on because I'm sure a lot of people would be interested in in uh, your insight into this, you mentioned that the 40 hour work week may be done, which sounds, you know, somewhat exciting, but <laughs> what's, uh, what leads you to suggest that? So we were already trending toward um, people understanding that at the very start of the day and at the very end of the day, those typically aren't high productivity hours. Um, so there's been surveys done over in, in Asia, I think it's East Asia, that they were saying that, you know, a few companies have actually switched to a four-day work week and found that they increased productivity. Um, there's also other people in, in our local Edmonton market. Um, one female founder had a company that had sophisticated work systems. So whether or not they were working from home, where, whether or not they were telecommuting, whether or not they were rather than doing a full-time job, doing a part-time job, but still executing on 100% of what their job duties were. And so there's lots of information that, that shows that we can get the work done in less than 40 hours. Now, the only downside to that is that if you're getting paid the 40 hours for work week and we switch it down to a 32-hour work week, you're only going to get paid for 32 hours. That being said, um, I think you know, having the majority of our workforce flip into remote work from home or work from anywhere. I, I think we've been able to say, hey, we can actually do this and we're still running our businesses. And so I think once we do get back to resumption of services into all phase three, we're going to see the true result of that. And companies are actually opting to still remain work from home or work from anywhere. 
which is fantastic. Um, but does that mean that we still have the same productivity levels, right? So it's it's interesting to see, but I I thought we were trending downward toward you know 32 hour work week, even a 35 hour work week rather than the 40 hour work week. Um, with our prime minister saying that, hey, we might be exploring the four day work week, kudos, because that means that they're taking a look at what really is important. And I think when you get into a routine that you get comfortable with, you know, the kids know not to interrupt you between the hours of 10 and three or doing their schoolwork as well. Um, then it gets really hard to kind of break that schedule and break those habits. So, and employers, like we proved to everybody, we can do it. We can do it from home. We can do it online. We've been able to have as many Zoom meetings as possible. So having the opportunity, it's no longer, well, we can't do that because we don't have the tech. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> <laughs> That's not an excuse anymore. Not an excuse anymore. So I think the only real excuse that they would have to have is is to show that truly they do need to be there for 40 hours a work week. And, and that's not to say that like some of our essential services need to switch to a 32 hour, by all means, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that when we have an office scenario, we could probably work more productively in a, a condensed work week. My staff at River City and at Resume Free, we don't do 40 hours. We do hours that combine into whenever it works for them. We don't have the typical work day at all. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, get, having this, uh, tying in the idea of really prioritizing the most important work as well and and then making sure that fits into the time you have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool. Great. Well, well, uh, thank you for all that advice. And uh, just to wrap up, I guess, is there anything else that uh, we haven't touched on that you wanted to discuss? Well, we could go ad nauseum how much I hate resumes, but I think that would be just kind of a moot point right now. <laughs> um, but well, yeah, yeah, I mean, what it, Whatever you prefer. We did touch on that a little bit, I guess, when you were discussing resume free, it's but all good. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm open to chat about anything. <laughs> I just want to make sure that people understand that, you know, we're still we're still finding our way through this process. Um, I know that the job market has shifted substantially. Um, and the, the key rule to remember is when you, when it comes to staffing your business, it's hire slow, fire fast. So take your time and get it right. And then that way it'll be so much better because the biggest mistake and the most costly mistake you can make in your business is hiring the wrong person. Yeah, I can only imagine. I haven't, haven't gotten to that stage in my business. but Well, when you do, you know who to call. <laughs> oh, definitely. I will definitely be chatting to you with you. <laughs> so, so yeah, Ali, thank you very much for taking the time to tell us all about your entrepreneurial story and uh, what you're up to these days. Uh, I hope everyone listening uh, had as much fun as I did. And um, again, if you want to learn more about Allie, make sure to check out GoResumeFree.com and then find her on LinkedIn as well. Thank you. So thanks to everyone for listening and have a great day. If you haven't already, visit RainforestAB.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is brought to you by Community Now Magazine. Engage, inspire, educate together. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. 
please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.